Uh, hilarious. All right. Welcome into another edition of the award-winning Midday with Trey and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Trey and I are with you till 1 o'clock. We'll hand it off to Chip and Zay, and then Trey and Jeff Barker this afternoon on Longhorn Misfits from 3 to 5. we got plenty to get into. We'll talk some Texas basketball, the not-so-good from the game at Kansas, some Texas baseball, the very good from the three games here against Cal Poly. Interesting Texas football projection to discuss as well. And, of course, where are we at in society coming up at the very end of the show? All of that happens after I ask Trey how his weekend was. Weekend was good. We'll get into that in a sec. I need your help with something technical because I'm trying something different with the camera audio setup. Is my audio aligns with the words coming out of my mouth right now? Yeah, looks good to me. Okay. I think we got it fixed then. Thank goodness. Uh, Did Did you get a spray tan or something? You look a little darker today. No, I did play three and a half hours of volleyball on Saturday, and despite putting sunscreen on, got sunburned because we played from 10 until almost 2 o'clock, and yeah, needed to reapply halfway through, unfortunately, because I don't know how well you can see it. On the top of my head, it is straight-up burns. Like, I took a shower about an hour ago, and the hot water hurt like the extended widow's peak just below my uh, my hairline. Not good. Not good. I thought I had learned the lesson enough times over my life to make sure to apply enough sunscreen, but clearly that wasn't the case. But, man, it just felt great to be out there in uh, borderline warm conditions with the sh- sun shining bright. Played a lot of sports this weekend. Kids had soccer games. They had basketball games too. And you and I... Both went to an MLS game, which probably signifies some sort of end of world scenario, as you pointed out last week. And BK, hate to no, I don't hate to put anybody on blast. I put you on blast if you need to be put on blast. Cap Metro had an opportunity to make some new fans on Saturday. It was free Cap Metro Day all day on Saturday in honor of the new train stop that's right next to the Q2 Stadium. And they could not have handled that worse. Zero foresight, long lines. I know you had a slightly different experience than what we did. We're on the Lake Line stop, which is the second stop from the north. So you would think that there would be enough room on the train at that time, even if it gets more and more crowded leading up to Q2 Stadium. No. Despite the fact that we were planning on getting to the game pretty early, like an hour before the game, Uh, There were a lot of people with that same idea. Cap Metro didn't add any trains, so it was still the two same cars, uh, two car setup. And uh, yeah, there were just way too many people for the their abilities to actually take people to Q2 because all of these people were going to the soccer game too. And so ultimately, we saw what was happening. Saw people trying to jam like sardines into these train cars at the Lake Line stop. We just turned around and got went to our car. And drove the rest of the way, so we weren't going to have to deal with that nightmare. No way. So y'all drove to the Cat Metro stop, thinking you could park your car there. You'll take the Cat Metro, and then you'll take it back after the game, and then drive home. And then you said, "Nope, this is too much of a cluster. We're just going to drive and park somewhere by the stadium." It took like three or four minutes to walk back to our car from the platform where the train stops. And we got back to the car, and as we were leaving, so like five minutes after we walked away from that fiasco, there were people still trying to get on the train. 
still trying to get on the train and it pulled up to the station and it was already busy. Like there were no empty seats. So it was basically people just having to stand in the aisles and they were trying to figure out a way to shove everybody in there. I feel bad for anybody at any subsequent stops leading all the way up to Q2. It just, they didn't have enough space for the demand and they should have foreseen that they should have added cars. They should have gone double the cars for each of their trains, or maybe they don't have that ability, but F minus cap Metro, you have been a running joke since you started, certainly in the suburbs because nobody rides that train to and from downtown from Leander or Cedar park, but you had a chance to make some new fans over the weekend and you failed miserably in trying to do so. Yeah. Agreed. 100% breaking news. Austin public transportation sucks. Yeah. I mean, we've known this for a long time. We were hopeful. I think everybody was hopeful that maybe Cap Metro was turning a corner with the new stop at Q2 and some of the innovations that they have been promoting, but it was a disaster. And yeah, my experience was similar to that, but we, we didn't drive. I mean, we toughed it out on the Cap Metro. Uh, we boarded downtown at the uh, Saltillo Plaza uh, on somewhere on East 6th. And the train station itself was just packed. I mean, there were a couple hundred people just waiting for the train to get there. And our plan was to, like, we were getting on the kind of early train that was going to have us at Q2 half an hour before the game started. It's like, all right, we'll get there in plenty of time. We'll get to walk around on the concourse. We'll get some food, and then we'll go to our seats and catch the entire match. But what was supposed to be a 30-minute trip ended up taking a little bit more than an hour. And it was jam-packed. I mean, we stood the whole time. Uh, everybody was standing pressed up against one another. We were, I think the second stop. So on all the subsequent stops, like nobody could get on. I mean, a couple other people would try to get on, but it, it, it didn't work. The train would just randomly stop in the middle of going. It would just decide to come to a stop. And then we'd be waiting there without any sort of announcement for why we were delayed. And it was, it was a nightmare. I mean, it was nice. It literally dropped us off right by the stadium. So when we got there, it was great. It just took literally twice as long as, uh, as what we were supposed to. And boy, there was, there were a couple of trains after us. Like there, there's no way those were on time. Like if we were half hour to 45 minutes late, like I feel bad for the people who are like, Oh, I'll catch the next train. That'll get us right to Q2 right before the match starts. Like all those people, I, I assume they were screwed. I assume if they did that, they ended up missing Half, if not the entire game. It was a disaster. Yeah, because you guys were supposed to get there 30 minutes before, and you said that you got there after opening kickoff, correct? It was like we were walking in during the national anthem. So just, I mean, you know, ended up missing the start of the game because we still went and got food. We couldn't walk around. We're just like, wherever we can find food, we can get. Uh, Austin FC is great, but I did order a chicken sandwich, and out came a cheeseburger, so they, they whiffed on that one. It was in one of those like foil wrapping things. So I didn't get to see what it looks like. <laughs> I get to the seat and then open it up. Cheeseburger. Mm. It's like, all right, well, you know, sorry, rabbi, but I still like cheeseburgers. So I ate it. It was fine. But yeah, it was, it was a mess. Uh, the getting into our seats portion of the game. This isn't exclusive to Q2 because it really is a cool environment out there. And my family had fun. And yeah, we ate a lot of uh, ballpark type food, the pretzels, the nachos and whatnot. These stadiums just need to stop hyping up what cool business is coming in to serve food in a given year at the stadium. It's all the fucking same. If it's a good business, it's the ballpark version of what is normally really good food. It just is. There's, There's no way to 
keep up with the demand, you have to pre-cook things. Or if you don't, it's just going to take forever. Like I had to wait until the game started to get in line for some of the things that I really wanted to try. And I did try them. There's an Argentine place. It was okay. And the uh, shawarma point, very disappointing shawarma point. But there were a couple of other things like that where it was legitimately like a 30 plus minute line before the game. Get through pretty quickly once the game itself had started. But I realized that we should have just gone what my kids did. My kids went with nachos from Kirby Lane, the queso stop or queso truck whatever the hell they call that thing gotten the giant size pretzels from easy tiger gone and gotten hot dogs or hamburgers or something like that and just let that be that yeah yeah i mean they try to put those like austin staple restaurants in there which is a good bit but you you gotta know it's not going to be the same quality as what it would be like if you actually went to said restaurant i keep getting fooled by that though i'm like surely (laughs) this is the year that they figure out how to make the food close to how it tastes in the restaurant. And yes, we did meet Michael C out at the game as BK and I met up at halftime. I did actually let the kids indulge in some treats. I ate like a fucking pig. That's the most fat kid I think I've gone since I was an actual fat kid on Saturday night because I played three and a half hours of volleyball and really didn't eat anything until the game because I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to save that next meal until we actually get to the soccer game. So I fucking pigged out. It was a disgusting display. And uh, even though anything pretty much tasted good, I could still tell where the overall quality was. By the way, Michael C. and his buddy uh, may be the most psychotic Austin FC fans in the entire stadium in a good way. Hmm. Uh, not only are they, uh, they decked out, and they're yelling loud, and they're screaming, and they're cheering for the team the entire time. Each of these guys, I think it's a fake bird. They have, uh, I think, ravens or grackles that are on their shoulder, either stuffed grackles or fake grackles that are on their shoulders michael's grackle actually uh gave me a kiss on the cheek when i uh leaned in and gave him a bro hug when we first met him yeah that was hilarious Uh, that's what it was it was a grackle i don't know what it was it was a raven or a grackle i'm not totally sure it was a blackbird it was a corvid i could i can guarantee you it was a corvid the type of corvid i'm not totally sure though yeah michael super nice dude big time austin fc fan ended up running into a few folks uh, at the game who recognized me and listened to us and loved TSU. Uh, but I've got to put Michael on blast real quick. Uh-oh. Or not. I don't Michael, know. His younger brother, the North End Pirates, as they're known in Q2. Ah, better than being the back end Pirates, because I'd be thinking you're in into something else. <laughs> Which that's all right. So so Michael, who's Verdes Locos on Twitter, if y'all want to follow him. Once again, great dude. Love meeting you. He's listening right now, so I could say you because I know we're talking to him. Here's a tweet he sent out yesterday, and he just gave us a shout-out. Highlight for me was getting to meet Brad Kellner and Courtesy Wave from TS Unfiltered. And then then here's where it's uh, – should I be offended by this? Trey and his family were awesome, and BK is taller than I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> you get a compliment. Like, you and your family are awesome because, yeah, you were with your wife and kids, and you got to meet everybody. And then my compliment is, oh, he's taller than I thought he was. Come on. I mean, thanks, I guess. But I'm not, I'm chopped liver here. I'm just taller chopped liver than Michael was expecting. Thank goodness I had my family surrounding me because otherwise I probably would have gotten a backhanded compliment too. And Trey's a little shorter than I thought he was. Trey's hair, Trey's mullet is a little bit mullet. Trey's mohawk, fauxhawk is a little bit mohawkier than I thought it was. There you go. Who's taller, BK or Bucky? No, 
CB, that, that I mean, come on. That hurts. By a long shot, it's BK. Got a foot and a half on the buck. He's like 4'11", I think. Yeah. There were three goals scored in the game, DJ. What was the score to the exciting game? One to nothing, he asks. No, it ended up a two to one game. Two of those goals were scored in extra time in the second half. So, or maybe not quite uh, extra time for the first of those goals, but the game was decided by the time Austin FC scored their first goal. My family had already left our seats. We were ready to go back home because it was like 930. And of course, we hear a loud cheer from the crowd as we're about to cross. Um, Oh gosh, what is that street right there? Duval, maybe? Whatever that street is right there. We were crossing that. We hear a loud cheer and the announcer says, so-and-so scores a goal for Austin FC. It's like, of course, we missed their one fucking goal because we didn't stay until the 95th minute. Yeah, yeah, Austin FC did not play well. Uh, we won't spend a ton of time talking about Austin FC regularly, but uh, it was a disappointing start to the season for them. 2-1 was the final, but they they were outplayed. and It, it wasn't as close as the scoreboard would, would indicate. And like you said, they literally scored in the very last second of the match. So it was... Uh, lethargic season opening performance for the trees uh you don't want to put too much stock into any one game but based on what happened last season that was not the the promising turnaround that uh, austin fc fans were hoping for yeah it's never good when your team their overall shots which includes shots on goal and shots that miss the goal are lower than the opposition shots on goal that is not a recipe for winning many games yeah yeah, no doubt about that. All right, so there's our Austin FC adventures from Saturday. Uh, had a great time outside of the transportation. It was fun meeting some listeners. Baron came by and said hello. Chris came by and said hello. Another guy named Brad came by and said hi. So shout out to all of y'all. Hopefully you're listening right now and got to hear the shout out. But um, yeah, fun game. Always fun at Q2. Hopefully they can uh, put some wins together this season and get themselves back into the playoff picture after a disappointing 2023. Uh, speaking of disappointing, Trey, what happened in Lawrence, Kansas on Saturday, right before the Austin FC game, was very disappointing for Texas basketball. They got boat raced by Kansas, 86-67, to 67, the final score. Uh, this wasn't one that was close for a long time, and then Kansas pulled away late. No, nah, Kansas led by 20 at halftime, and the game was never close in the second half. I think KU led by double digits for the final 26 minutes of the game on Saturday. So they ran away and hid from Texas. And the worst part is Kansas was playing without Kevin McCuller Jr., who might be their best player. So that would have been embarrassing even if Kansas was fully healthy. But the fact that their best player might have been out, at least one of their two best players, was out, and you still got demolished the way that you did, that is as embarrassing and upsetting and disappointing in any negative ING word you can think of to describe what went down with the horns at Allen Fieldhouse. Just give you one simple stat to help explain just how badly Texas got beat on Saturday. BK, Dylan DeSue finished with eight points, four fouls, so he was playing the game in foul trouble, 23 total minutes. They did have three guys who cracked double digits. Technically, they had two 12s and a 10 from Hunter Mitchell and IT Horton. But Max Aismas and Dylan DeSue both end up in t- single digits. We said on Friday, both those guys need to bring their A games and they need a third score to have a chance to beat this Kansas team. They didn't even get the first part of the equation, which is the part of the equation that we maybe felt a little bit better about. And uh, we can comfortably say that Max Aismas is squarely in a slump right now because this is 
close to three weeks worth of games that have been well below uh, what the expectation with his him is as the uh, one of the all-time leading scorers in college basketball. But when you're not getting that from Dylan DeSue, uh, nothing else really matters for this basketball team right now. And I think this is just another sign that this team, when they face good competition, uh, unless it's a game at home perhaps, the likelihood of them winning is very low. So just if your expectations aren't already lower for the season, Longhorn fans, just lower them a little bit more because this team, uh, they they are not going to be pulling off any major upsets come March. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I feel pretty confident in saying so. Yeah. I think the casual Texas fan has pretty low expectations. Like I, I can't even tell you how many times I've been asked over the last three weeks. If I think Texas is going to make the tournament Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yes. And people are surprised by that. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah, like we're we're kind of a lock right now. Like we're not going to be a high seed, but like we're an eight or a nine right now. And they're like, what? Seriously? So I think a lot of people uh, have already kind of checked out on this Texas basketball team. Now, a lot of people are still invested and they'll still watch. And if you're going to support UT, if you're a UT fan, at least you should. But yeah, no, I, I don't think the expectations for this fan base are that high. And you're right. I mean, I, I brought this up with Bucky this morning. Hell, I might have brought this up with you late last week. Like, look, if Texas is an eight or a nine or a 10 seed, which is where they're kind of slotted right now on most of the bracketologies, then okay, they'll get a seven or an eight or a nine as their first round matchup. Could they beat a team like that? Sure. They've beaten a number of teams like that in Big 12 play this year. But then, yeah, the, the, the round of 32 matchup would be against a one or a two seed. So a team like Houston or Kansas, who are probably going to finish one and two or as one and two seeds respectively, and the last couple of times you've played them, it has not gone well. So Yeah, you were on the road at Houston. Yeah, you were on the road at Kansas. Obviously, in the tourney, you get to play on a neutral floor. But there's a clear talent discrepancy and just a clear uh, everything discrepancy when you compare the best teams in college basketball to where Texas is right now. So it's frustrating, man. I I had some high hopes for this Texas team going into Saturday. I didn't think they'd win, but, you know, you know this. I watch Kansas basketball religiously. Like, that is a flawed team, even at home, even though they're 14-0 now at Allen Fieldhouse this year. They have played a lot of teams very close in that building. So I thought Texas had a chance to keep it very close for 40 minutes, and it was nowhere close to that. So uh, frustrating. And you said it, Aceman's into Sioux. Like Shulman and Billis were talking about it on the broadcast. Those guys combined for five points at halftime. They had 13 total for the game. They averaged 35 a game. Like they needed to go for more than 35 if Texas was going to pull off that upset. Instead, they went for like a third of what they normally average collectively. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully you were doing something better with your Saturday. If you started watching the game, hopefully you turned it off about 10, 12, 15 minutes in and went out and enjoyed the beautiful weather that we had. Uh, If you stayed for all 40 minutes, congrats. You're a masochist like me, but uh, also you might need to go get a life uh, because that was was not fun at all, and I feel like you should be refunded by somebody at the university for putting you through that. So I was tuned in for the first half of the first half, and then we had to go to the train station. So I said to myself, when we get to the train station, I'll pick up where I left off on YouTube TV on my phone, and I'll just fast forward through the commercial breaks, and I'll try and watch them there. And if I need to go back and watch on the big screen, I will. We got to the train station, and literally in like the 10 to 15 minutes since I turned off the television, it had built to a 20 point lead. And it wasn't even, I think there was like four minutes left before halftime too. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I'm like, well, the good news, I guess is that I don't have to go back and watch this game. Now <laughs> you just re- read the reports on things and look at the box score and get a pretty good idea of 
what felt like was going to start happening about the time I turned it off. Cause at that point, I think Kansas had built like a six or eight point lead. And it's like, uh, Texas has kind of scratched their way back from an early deficit. So maybe they'll be able to do so again. No, not this yeah. time. It was 16 to 15 at one point, eight or so minutes into the first half. And then Kansas went on a 12 0 run and yeah. Texas never got it to within single digits. Forget like actually making it feel like they had a chance to win. I never got within single digits after that. So, yeah, Texas missed 11 of 12 shots during that stretch, and Kansas started making a bunch. And I don't know if this makes any UT fan feel better. That was the best. That first half was the best half of basketball KU's played all year long. Uh, Look, a lot of that was them playing great and Texas not playing great, but they just had everything clicking, and the ball movement was great. They were hitting their shots. Nick Timberlake, who's been struggling shooting, he was making a bunch of stuff. Uh, but yeah, look, the Kansas got whatever it wanted. They shot 62% for the game. Ace Smith and DeSue couldn't get it going. That's where you credit Bill Self and, and the Kansas players for just not giving those guys any room to breathe. They knew they knew what Texas does. Like, all right, Texas wants to give the ball to DeSue and Ace Smith. Like, those are their two scores. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and stop those dudes and make the other guys beat us, and that, that, that didn't happen. Texas just doesn't have enough of those other dudes right now. So it's a great game plan by KU. They executed it to perfection. And now for Texas, look, they're still in a good spot. They would still be in the tournament if the season ended today in that 8 through 10 range. But they've got four games left, and they need to win two. No, going into Saturday, it was, okay, you need to win two of the last five. Now they need to win two of the last four. And they're in Lubbock tomorrow, Trey, against a team. And we'll preview that game a little more tomorrow. But it's a Texas Tech team that came into Austin and beat the crap out of you at the start of conference play. Texas will be an underdog in that matchup tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to stack a bunch of losses together and almost to hell with the resume. You don't want to be playing bad basketball as the calendar turns into March, right? Like Texas football felt like they were playing their best as the season came to an end. Texas basketball feels like they're playing maybe their worst right now. And if they don't turn things around quickly, they might still get in, but they could miss the tournament. But like you said, even if they do get in, it's going to be hard to have any sort of confidence that they can uh, make some noise in the dance. Agreed. Yeah, so there you go. All right, Texas basketball embarrassing. They are back at it tomorrow. Uh, we'll get to some more positive stuff here in a second. But first, some shout-outs to some of our sponsors. We'll start with a TV spot from our friends at Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous hill country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Oh, yeah. Much love to the Coverts. And also, how about a word from our man Tom McKay over at Audiovisual Consultations? This is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. 
There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at abconsultations.com. Yeah, CB mentions it. Since 2008, Texas has only made the second weekend of the tournament one time. That was obviously last season when the Longhorns made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Um, if it is 15 years before Texas makes another Elite Eight, we should just fold our basketball program because that, that'd be a joke. That yeah. would be a joke. Like now, now we actually have stuff going for us. I know we'll never be a basketball school despite how much I want us to be a basketball school. Um, but with the Moody Center and the facilities and NIL and the transfer portal and everything that benefits Texas and other sports, like that benefits Texas and basketball too. I mentioned the Moody Center. That's basketball specific. It's the nicest facility in the country right now. Uh, all of that stuff in place. Yeah, if it's 15 years before Texas makes another Elite Eight, then that's a huge problem. And it's probably three or four coaches in that stretch too, not to, not getting us there. So uh, it won't happen this year, barring a miracle. Like Trey said, hope I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, they they gotta uh they gotta figure things out. Hopefully, hopefully they can this season, but then hopefully next season and after that things are a little bit steadier than they have been in 2023-24. Yeah, and I know some Texas fans are rooting for this team to lose because they just didn't like the Rodney Terry hire to begin with. Me thinking that this team is not gonna make the second weekend is not is not me hoping that they lose. I, I hope they prove me wrong. I would love for them to prove me wrong, but that would take probably a couple of A-plus efforts by this basketball team. And, you know, we saw it a little bit in that six-game stretch where they faced six straight-ranked opponents, but anytime they've gone up against really good teams on this schedule in games that aren't at home, the results has been decided by halftime in a lot of those cases. I'm thinking mm -hmm. back to UConn, Marquette. It's Kansas game now. Uh, there's one other one too. Oh, the Houston game. Like all of those were just no contests, unfortunately, after the first 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah, that's it. Those are four national championship contenders right there. And Texas is not. Clearly, the Longhorns are not on that level this year. Last year, they could have hang with, they could have hung, and they did hang with just about all of those teams or teams at that level this year. Not so much. All right. Uh, a little Texas football, shall we? We've got some projected 2024 records from our friends at CFB Hourglass. And this is just for the SEC. And this is a website. And the guy who runs this website is very tied in with college football, but also is a big fan of analytics. So he's got a lot of numbers and formulas that he used to come up with these rankings. And this dude's got thousands of followers on Twitter. And he's a little bit more credible, I think, than most. I'll do a little screen share. We can get into our thoughts on these projected records for SEC teams in 2024. But the most noteworthy is the team at the top, the Texas Longhorns. 12-0 and 0 is the projection from CFB Hourglass. Trey, your thoughts. Is, is it possible? Are you thinking 12 wins? Could this team get to 12 wins? What do you make of uh, a non-Texas fan giving the Longhorns perfect marks for this fall? 
it takes so much going right for a team to go undefeated in any conference, much less the SEC. I'm reluctant to say, yeah, I see Texas going 12-0, and but they have a decent shot at it. And obviously, if they're going 12-0, and that means they're handing Georgia their one loss of the season. Bulldogs come to town the week after Texas OU. I, I think there's probably a game, maybe two, that trips Texas up along the way. But ultimately, I do think that they are one of the top two or three teams in this conference next year. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. I mean, obviously, if this team goes 12-0 and with a win at Michigan, uh, a win against Georgia, and just an unbeaten slate in the SEC, then they'll be the number one team in the nation going into a SEC championship weekend. Yeah, I, I tend to see two losses on the schedule right now for Texas. Um, the, the OU Georgia stretch freaks me out, right? I mean, getting yeah. up for both of those games and back to back weeks is crazy. It's like, uh, you'd be a little worried about overlooking Oklahoma, but you know, it's the OU game and you lost to them last year. So you're not going to overlook them. And then it's like, oh shit. Then Georgia comes to town. You're not going to overlook them, but just those two teams, those two atmospheres and just how physical both of those teams like to play. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough stretch. So uh, I think Texas loses one of those two. Georgia's the more likely one to me right now. And then I just think they slip up somewhere else along the way. I really do. I haven't decided what that second loss is. I don't think it's Michigan. I'm not going to change my stance on Texas-Michigan unless, you know, God forbid, a bunch of guys get hurt in the week one game against Colorado State. Like, I feel great about Texas going on the road and winning that. But just in the SEC with the gauntlet that is this conference, uh, I think Texas slips up somewhere. But, hey. I mean, I'd sign up for 11-1. and 1. You're telling me 12-0 and 0 is on the table? Of course, that's the that's the easiest decision. I'll sign and I'll leave a fat tip on the iPad, too, when I'm signing uh, to uh, to make sure that that happens. Yeah, CB brings this up. Aggies aren't winning nine games. That is shocking to see a projected 9-3 and three season for A&M. Yeah, so you've got 11-1. and one. Georgia and Ole Miss at 11-1. and one. No surprise there. Georgia's only loss would obviously be coming to Texas in that instance. Uh, Ole Miss. And they won 11 games last year. They don't have to play Alabama this coming season. They do have Georgia, but that's a home game for them. Not a super difficult slate. You got Tennessee at 10 and two. And then, yeah, nine and three. I think that's that's worth talking about because that's where you find Oklahoma and Texas A&M. And boy, both of those feel pretty high. Like the, the Vegas win total for OU is seven and a half. I think for A&M, it's six and a half. And this guy has both of those teams hitting the over pretty easily. I think of those two, Trey, Oklahoma is the more likely to get to nine wins because they've got a coach in place. They just won double-digit games this past season, and it's OU. Like they're almost always good. Uh, but AM, nine wins, and he, I mean that they would freaking love that if they got to nine wins. They might build Elko a statue if they get to nine wins in his first year, but that that feels a little over the top, right? Yeah, most definitely. That's Connor Wegman's gotta be really good and he's gotta stay healthy. Uh, that roster is full of transfers because they obviously had a ton of attrition once they let go of Jimbo. They've got a mesh and click early on. Maybe that's a win over Notre Dame because AM also has Notre Dame to open up the year. It is a home game, but still, like that's not easy. Notre Dame's going to be a top 10 team to start the year. So that's a loss to Texas and two other losses somewhere for the Aggies. That's, yeah, that, that'd worry me a little bit in the future if they win nine games in year one. I won't lie, but I I think it's closer to six or seven for the Aggies this year. If they're winning nine games in year one, there's a chance that one of those wins is Texas at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, I'd buy that. Well, um, I, I know Mike Elko 
people, especially folks in College Station, may be sleeping on him a little bit, but he went 7-5 and five at Duke last year. Let's remember that. So that was year two for him uh, in North Carolina, and uh, it may take him a little bit of time to get this roster built back up. I'm not remember remembering what exactly A&M's football schedule looks like for this next year, but they obviously p- play the Longhorns, and it is the SEC, so even if it's a quote-unquote easier schedule, it is uh, not necessarily easy at all. It is a little easy by SEC standards, but look, even in years in recent in the recent past, when AM has had a quote unquote easy slate, they have uh, they have struggled. I didn't mean to unshare the screen. I'll pull that back up in a second. But uh, AM at Florida versus Arkansas, neutral site versus Mizzou at Mississippi State. They got LSU at home at South Carolina at Auburn, and then home Texas. So they they avoid Bama and Georgia which is like, that's as good as it gets for any team in the SEC. Like Texas is avoiding one, and I'm pretty happy about that. Like They're avoiding both of them, but you know, Mizzou looks good. LSU looks good. At Auburn, obviously Texas on the slates. Notre Dame. I mean, I, I see five losses there for the action. I was just thinking the same thing. Like four losses if they play really well in some of those games. Yeah. And then for OU, dude, nine and three for OU would also be really good. I know, you know they they always expect more uh, from them. And you know, if it's seven and five or six and six, people are going to be asking some questions about Brent Venables. But you know, for as easy of a slate as A and M has in the SEC, I mean, Oklahoma is the exact opposite, right? They've got to play Tennessee. They've got at Mizzou. They've got at LSU. They've got at Ole Miss. They've got Alabama at home. They've got at Auburn. I mean, like that's they go nine and three with that slate. That means Venables is is good, and you might already be able to say that. And then also Jackson Arnold, their first year starter at quarterback, looks the part, and he's the five star top ten player in the country that OU was hoping to get out of high school a couple of years ago. So I'd probably take the under. I, I always think OU's going to do well because they have done amazing my whole life. But I, like I'd probably go under nine for them too. Like that, I'd maybe go eight and four for OU and seven and five for AM right now with, with what we've got. And then let's scroll down a little bit at the very bottom. Got Ooh. a couple of the, the okay. So this goes to the point of Texas having a relatively light SEC schedule because the bottom three teams, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Florida, are all teams that Texas has next season. Uh, and two of them are road games, like at Arkansas. We saw what happened year one of Sark, and the last two times we played Arkansas has, have not been pretty for us, but they should be bad. Vanderbilt is bad, breaking news. And then Florida, their coach is probably on the hottest seat of any coach in the country right now. Two and ten. Wow. It's going to be that bad out there in Gainesville? If they go two and ten, we're going to see a coaching change halfway through the season. Yeah. Yeah, we won't see uh, Billy Napier when the Gators come to town if they're on that sort of path, right? Uh, Florida Three and nine for Arkansas. I don't know anything about what Arkansas is bringing back next year, other than Sam Pittman seemed to have that program going in the right direction, but they fell off of a cliff last year. They did, they did, they did, and there are a lot of Arkansas fans who wanted him fired uh, after the season, but they they came back. He came back. The AD gave him the vote of confidence and. Uh, we'll see what they do, but yeah, KJ Jefferson's no longer there. They got you Quindon Jackson. Remember the former Longhorn who was at Utah the last couple of years, the running back who we recruited to play quarterback. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's a running back at Arkansas now. He grad transferred there. Interesting. So he'll be there. I think they're leading running back, but I just pulled up a depth chart. There are not a lot of names that I recognize on this Arkansas team. Who is their quarterback? Talon Green. Nope. And I think played some last year. Boy, based KJ on- Jefferson transferred. I want to say he transferred to a Florida school. Based on uh, how many times my voice cracked in there, you could tell I was very confident in that. Uh, UCF is where KJ went. So, yeah, Big 12. We won't have to deal with that anymore. But, uh, yeah, it, Arkansas is going to be bad. Vanderbilt, they always suck. And then Florida. Florida's got the toughest schedule in, in college football. Do they? Because they three of their non-con games, <laughs> they've got Miami. I know they're a little down, but it's still Miami. They've got at Florida State, and they have UCF. Like, you're supposed to have cupcakes in the SEC. You're, you're doing it wrong, Florida. Why are you scheduling all these ridiculously tough non-conference teams? And then, yeah, they have to play uh, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, at Texas, at Tennessee, mm. at Mississippi State, a like, it, It's... Two and ten is not out of the equation for Florida is the point. So you're right. Coaching change happens there if they're anywhere close to that midway through the year. But like it it could actually happen where they win two games because they might only be favored in like three or four this year. That is a brutal final five games for them. Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Two of those at home. Obviously, Georgia, Florida's neutral. Uh yeah. Uh sheesh. So there you go. Uh, 12-0. We love that for Texas. There's some other predictions that are interesting. And, yeah, we, we're going to see some coaching changes made for some of those bottom feeders if uh, this prediction ends up playing out the way that CFB Hourglass expects. All right. Before we get to where we at in society today, Trey, how about uh, some love to our friends over at Big Hat Spirits? Love to do so. BigHatSpirits.com is the website. That's where you can find all about uh, those Big Hat cocktails in a can. They were inspired by legends, specifically Jerry Jeff Walker. And on each can, they pay tribute to a a country music singer slash songwriter. That's right. I bet you didn't realize that is the case. But sure enough, uh, they do honor the legends. That includes... Kevin Russell, legendary Austin frontman with the Jalapeno Ranch water. How about Quan Cosby getting some love on the margarita? Jack Ingram on the margarita mocktail. You have Coach Daryl Royal who gets some love on that margarita as well. Gary P. Nunn, uh, Texas Heritage Songwriters 2023 Hall of Fame nominee. He is on the Prickly Pear Paloma. They actually rotate people on these cans. I've seen Django Walker on a can as well. And uh, these are cocktails in a can that are very low in BS. That means they do not add any syrups, no gluten, non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural real spirits, no added sugar in any of these, but very real cocktail and real kombucha too. Kombucha, if I can say that word properly. I'm going to encourage you to go to BigHatSpirits.com to find out more about these cocktails in a can. But more importantly, because when you scroll down past the uh, the top of the website there, you see a map of Central Texas and a bunch of Big Hat icons on there. Click on that icon that's closest to you to find out where you can get 
Big Hat Spirits, BigHatSpirits.com. Absolutely. Shout out to Big Hat. Also, if you're in the mood for some beer, make sure you go with the Altstad beer, the best beer in the history of the known universe. Pick some up. H-E-B Specs, Total Wine, Twin Liquors, 34 Wine, and Spirits, wherever you go to buy your six-packs. You can find six-packs of Altstad. Had a few this weekend. Uh, Hopefully, y'all did as well. It is Altstad beer. No impurities. No regrets. And since I just forced you to do a live read, Trey, we will go with recorded today for our great friends at Pest Wranglers. Hey, it's Steve from Pest Wranglers, and I don't know of a single mosquito that owns a home with a backyard, but they sure like to hang out in your yard and make you miserable. Pest Wranglers can fix that for you. Our mosquito treatments are designed to kill adult mosquitoes as well as keep mosquito larvae from developing for up to three weeks. Use us all summer or just once before that big party. No contract, no hassles, no blood-sucking mosquitoes. Check out our reviews and see what others are saying about Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, effective, reliable, affordable. Online at PestWranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. and has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Sadly, today is not that day. I forget if you and I covered this story when it was initially announced, BK, but over the weekend, we had the first ever Florida Man Games in the state of Florida. The Florida Man Games. That is right. No way. Yep. Why were these not televised? I. That's a great question. It better be on YouTube, if nothing else. It happened in St. Augustine, Florida. And the most insane athletic showdown on earth as the games were promoted The Florida Man Games poke fun at the state's reputation for bizarre stories that involve brawling, drinking, gunfire, reptile wrangling, and other antics that carry a risk of jail time and or intensive care. The games kicked off Saturday with the star-spangled banner played on electric guitar. Then spectators sipped cans of beer behind metal barricades, cheered and frequently shouted expletives as a dozen teams battled in contests inspired by real events from America's most surreal state. James Gordon of DeLand won at the first event, which meant wolfing down a plate loaded with barbecue pork and sausage a fraction of a second before his nearest competitor. He chugged a beer to celebrate. From Gordon, quote, I've lived my entire life in Florida. They're calling these events. I'm calling this fucking Tuesday afternoon. (laughs) I was about to make that same joke, and I don't know if that's a real quote or if that's something you made up. Either way, hilarious. Yeah, the only difference between this and a normal Saturday or Tuesday or whenever they held these games is the fact that they had the press there to, like, regulate this versus just people doing this shit on their own and coming up with scores and rules by themselves. Gordon really did say that as he was washing sauce from his hands into his beard. One event had contenders dueling in muddy water in an inflatable pool, pummeling each other with weapons made from pool noodles and duct tape. Another was a theft simulation relay in which competitors raced while toting a pair of bicycles, copper pipes, and catalytic converters. Larry Donnelly trained for the relay race by riding a bicycle around his neighborhood with a second bike strapped to his back. It paid off Saturday when he won his heat after picking up a bike in each hand and running with them. Mm. He said, I have no regard for self-preservation. I will do anything. When I was in the military, I did a little alligator wrestling. 
He ran with bikes. He picked up the bikes and ran instead of got on the bikes and rode. Apparently so. That's legal. And also that's faster. I It's not faster, but this is Florida man logic that's being used here. You're right. Yeah. What am I doing trying to rationalize any of this? That's on me. Another event involved contenders wrestling sumo style while holding pitchers of beer or running from actual sheriff's deputies while jumping fences and avoiding obstacles. Others faced a scramble to grab cash flying in simulated hurricane winds. Spectators paid real money. How much would you pay to go watch these games in person? Because I have the amount here of a ticket. Um, God, I'd pay like 30 bucks for this. You're close. 45 bucks a ticket. Mm. Ticket, ticket sales exceeding 5,000. Whoa. You know what? If this is not on, if it's not on, uh, not on TV or Reddit streams or crack streams or any pirate site, then I think I would fork over 45, 50 bucks. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, right. maybe yeah. <laughs> three maybes to me. That's a no from you. Yeah, it's probably a no. Cause you got to remember this. It's outside in Florida and Florida is a humid hellhole. In most places, like it was going to be really humid outside. And I, I'm guessing these antics grow tired after like 10 to 15 minutes. It was smart by them to put this in February, right? Like it is hot and kind of gross here right now. So I assume it's hotter and even grosser there, but obviously better to do this in February versus June or July or August. Yeah. Now the Florida man games, as the name suggests, uh, does not really include women. I say really because there is one exception. Any guesses on the one women's event on Saturday? Oh, there was a whole event for women. It wasn't just a woman who participated. It was a whole separate thing. Yeah, but it's... Um, it's very misogynist, I would guess. Yeah, there you go. That's the word. Bikini contest? <laughs> the Florida MAM, M-A apostrophe A-M, pinup contest. So, yes, essentially a bikini contest. Pinup? Like the guys pinned them or they pinned... Each other, KY the old, school, the old school definition for pinup, like pinup calendar. Oh, is that what that is? That's yeah. what that means. Yep. Huh. Did not know that. That's what you do with an old calendar. Okay, so no Florida woman games. It was just a couple of Florida women who did this as a part of their one event. That's nice. Although we could have a Florida woman games too. That'd be entertaining because we've had plenty of great Florida woman stories over the years. Yeah. And look, there's a former American gladiator ice who was a judge at the Florida man games who was openly lobbying for Florida woman games. I personally believe we need it. She told the crowd or maybe just pit the women against the men. Yeah. That would not go well as we no. have seen in way too many Florida man stories over the years. Yeah. Uh, dudes, uh, they they typically uh, do harm to the women. The women have held their own, but yeah, the men more often than not are uh, inflicting more pain and doing more wrong than the woman, which is why Florida man is a bigger deal than Florida woman. Um, this is fantastic. I, I, I hope this happens every year. Hell, I hope this happens every month. And I hope this gets a TV contract from somebody. And I hope us we here in Texas have the ability to watch some of this stuff at some point, because this does sound hilarious. All right, let's see. 
Oh, we do have some video of the Florida Man games. Yeah. Do we have, did you give me a number of how many people participated? You said thousands of spectators came by. But like how many like how do you sign up for this? Do you have to go through any sort of like application process or tryouts to get in or is this just like uh anybody who wants to test their hand can do so? It is, it looks like it's open competition. I don't have the number of competitors here, but it does look like if you're willing to pay the entry fee, you can participate in Florida man games. What's the entry fee? Like a, a gator or something <laughs> that you wrestled? Sure. It's like a hundred bucks or something or the, the showing the ability to wrestle an alligator might help. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not seeing any good. Nah, I was going to say, I was waiting for the video. Yeah, I'm not seeing any. I'm looking on YouTube right now. I'm not seeing any that I wouldn't that I would be able to play without having to scroll through parts of news reports. So we may have to bring that to the people tomorrow. Okay. Uh, do they have a thousand meter dash in the probation office? Was that something that they had as a part of the festivities? They should have. Trying to think of the weirdest Florida man stories I could think of. It's like using random shit as weapons. Like, what's your accuracy throwing a plate of spaghetti at another person? I think we once talked about a story where someone threw, like, a flaming plate of spaghetti at their significant other as a part of an argument. We've had Christmas trees being thrown as part of Florida Man stories before. Like, that would be a good addition if they don't have that already. Like, just you go search up, like, what people have used as weapons. Obviously, we're not killing anybody here. But like, see how far, how accurately you could throw that at a target uh, as one of the competitions for Florida Man games. Yeah, that, I mean, look, have have them wrestle alligators. Like, there are some very obvious avenues that they just chose to ignore. It feels like. Yeah, like if this is going to be a real Florida Man games, then it, like there has to be a risk of people losing their lives. And if that happens, maybe you. Uh, sacrifice the TV contract because I don't know how many TV partners are going to want to risk somebody losing their lives on their network, but you really want to go full Florida man games and separate this from any other athletic competition that we have in the world. There's got to be some sort of life-threatening situation going on here. Do you remember the, the video? I feel like I did show this a few months ago where the guy's just walking along the side of the road and there's a gator right there. And he's antagonizing the gator. He's like daring the gator to bite it. And then the gator bites his leg. Do you remember this? I do. Like, uh, we need we need something like that. It's like trash talk the gator. How much trash talk can you get away with from certain distances? Okay, I just pulled up best nine Florida man headlines from 2023. Let's hear it. Tell me how many of these would make sense for the Florida man games. Number one, Florida man throws live gator in Wendy's drive through window. Yeah, scramble to get away from the gator. This is, come on. You and I are doing a better job of organizing these games than this dude is, than whoever put this together. Not sure how you make a game out of this, but Florida cop claims Burger King put dirt in his food. Inmate insists syringes pulled from rectum aren't his. (laughs) Oh. Uh Drunken Florida man on Segway charged with DUI. You can go drunk Segway racing. Oh, 100%. That's automatic. It's got to be drunk. Like, yeah, drunk driving is probably too risky. But, you know, drunk something vehicle operating would, would make sense for Florida man. 
no helmets because it is Florida man. Florida man tries to evade arrest by cartwheeling away from cops. Oh yeah, you can do you can do cartwheel races. Florida man cartwheel races. There you go. Impressive. That wouldn't get you very far. Uh, Florida man calls nine one one. Says he needs a ride to Hooters. Oh yeah, Hooters would be a perfect sponsor for this. Who who can uh, the quickest get thrown out of the Hooters by uh, harassing the Hooters waitress? Oh, best pickup lines for a Hooters waitress. That's so good. Yes. Like who actually gets the numbers, too, from a Hooters waitress or Twin Peaks or any of the other restaurants? That sounds, yeah. I'm so in on that. Number seven, Florida couple trapped in unlocked closet for two days. Oh, they thought they were locked in and they, they weren't. Okay. Number eight, Florida man posing as an officer pulls over an off-duty sheriff's deputy. Uh, what's the game out of that? You, you act as a cop and go through like cop activities or like whatever police have to do when they, uh, train to be put on the patrol on the force. It's kind of like the show Impractical jokers where they really do have you pull people over and you're trying to convince the person that you're an actual cop writing them a ticket because most of these yahoos aren't going to be able to do it. Yeah, that would be great. Just uh, put a random like light slash siren on your car and see if uh, people will believe that you're a real cop. Exactly. And last but not least, number nine, top headlines from Florida Man in 2023. Florida Man attempting to time travel crashes into strip mall. Just oh, watch, my God. Watched Back to the Future right beforehand. Had the DeLorean. He got the plutonium. Was going 88 miles an hour in a mall parking lot. I guess the movie was not based on a true story. <laughs> I oh, I, boy. I thought it was. So, yeah, that, that, that feels like a drunk. There's got to be some sort of drunk driving game. Once again, I'm hearkening back to that one. That that feels like an easy one to add. And the Hooters pickup line one. Oh, that should be a bit here. Like I, I would I go to I, send people to a restaurant and see who can pick up a waitress. Dude, I would go watch that for sport. Not even kidding. Like, I would pay tickets to go, like, sit at a table next to it, and you've got, like, these guys just one at a time, almost like the MTV show Next or whatever. They're speed dating, basically. You just get the chance to drop a couple of lines on the waitress. They give you, like, 10 minutes. You know, it's not just one line. You get to order drinks, so you get a couple of interactions with the waitress because it, it doesn't always happen that quick. It's not like you drop the pickup line, you get the number before the meal starts. Like, it has to be at least the drink portion of the meal, if not the entire meal, but you just see who is enough game to, to at least get the number of restaurant waitress. We're going to be signing people up later in the week for that one. Instead of horn bash, we're doing TSU bash. And that's what, that's what it is. I thought you were going to say horny bash, but yeah, that works too. Oh yeah. That shit. That would have made more sense. (laughs) That's on me. All right. I see the fellows in the waiting room. There's where we added society today. It's Chip. It's Zay. Gentlemen, how's it? What's going on? Hey, hey. What up? Uh, not much. We're just recapping the first ever Florida Man games, which uh, apparently took place over the weekend. The Florida Man. That that That's a crazy state, man. There's crazy things that happen there. Yeah. If I go to Florida, it's just Miami. I don't go anywhere else, you know. Oh, um, really? 
Yeah, I'm just going Miami. I'm not going to Tallahassee. Jose, come to this Florida State game. Nah, there's just too much danger and shit I could get into that I'm trying to avoid. I'm not about that. Jose, come to this Tampa Bay Buccaneer game. Nah, I've heard about the shit going around there too. Just, I'm not going to go to a Magic game anytime soon, but you can catch me at South Beach with a Cubano or something like that. Yeah, man. That's mm. the only Florida I do. There are a few decent spots in the Florida panhandle, too. I would not push people to Destin anymore. That's just become entirely too crowded. But some other spots along the panhandle that I think are worth some uh, rest and relaxation. Yeah, Chip, didn't you go to Tampa this year? Any oh, yeah. any horror stories from that? Um, no horror stories. I mean, it was beautiful. The beach is there. Nice. Um and of course the lions beat the bucks that weekend so that was fantastic um my cousin is getting married in key west i've never been there oh that should be nice i'm supposed to be in the wedding this is in june um so i'll check that out i like miami but miami is like south beach is fun like i covered the mavs heat NBA finals and we went out to the Delano hotel and I mean, it's, it's kind of like you're in a dream in South beach yeah. at night. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get that say. Yeah, man. But it's also where, you know, you have alligator alley, which I've driven across. I had to, I had to get back from a Texas West Virginia football game, you know, to be back by Monday radio show, all that. And the only way I could do it was my flight was for some reason, my flight from West Virginia, well, Pittsburgh went to Fort Lauderdale and then to Austin. The, the flight got canceled. The only flight I could get was out of Tampa. So I had to drive four hours across alligator alley up the west coast of florida to tampa i got there with seven minutes to spare i've never been so like my neck hurts so bad from the tension of just speeding across the state of florida but i made it i made it wow so i saw i saw more of florida than i ever really wanted to see but that was that was insane. Crazy. All right. Damn. Alligator Alley. No part of that. I don't want any part of that. Yeah. We will uh we will part ways. We'll let y'all get to it. Have a great show, gentlemen. Appreciate, Appreciate y'all. Fellas.